What's going on? What's going on? Entertain the Geeky. Hello, listeners. <laughs> what are we, NPR all of a sudden? It's, Hello, I, listeners. Yeah. How are you today? I hope all is well. <laughs> okay, uh, so you got to start something really cool recently. And like did. we've been we've been doing a lot with uh, video games, so we're gonna change it up a little bit here. We have been doing too many video games, probably. We have, we have, we've been we've been video gaming hard here. I mean, it's not that it's not relevant to. It is relevant. You know this. what? I came to this weird conclusion today. So I saw that the new Transformers movie beat uh, Spider Verse in opening box office numbers. Weird. Crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? There's zero way that you can stay super relevant unless you have press passes. Uh, and I have not got us press passes yet. Oh, excuse me. Shame on me. Yeah. But um, I'm like, all right, so we're just going to do stuff that we enjoy. Well, this is part of that rebooted Transformers thing, isn't it? Yeah. After Bumblebee. Yeah. I will say that it's better. Uh, just Bumblebee on its own was better than anything Michael Bay had done. By about a million times. Mostly, not even because it was a better quality movie. It was just the Transformers looked like the Transformers. Like they looked like their cartoon selves, which is, I think, something that was severely lacking as a Transformers fan from the original. I mean, even Optimus Prime didn't look quite the same. You know what I mean? It was still voiced by Peter Cullen, but he didn't look right. There were parts of it. There were parts of it that I enjoyed. Um, like, the first scene with Blackout going into a military base and just decimating it. I mean, sure. That was fucking cool. But, I mean, the movies were subpar just on a yeah. writing quality and all that. Um, yeah, there were some cool special effects or whatever. The Transformers did look like something from uh, Pacific Rim and not Transformers. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Which was a little off. Uh, and I get, I get that they're trying to take some kind of creative liberty with it, but it's also like, dude, people love them for what they are. Well, there, there was something about like we wanted you to see how all the pieces worked together mm -hmm. and how this transformed from a car into a robot. And those of us that watch the cartoon, we don't care. I'm so, we just don't care. I, okay, so you clearly watched uh, bonus footage from one of the DVDs because that's something that they talked about yeah. and they were like, well, you know, this part, we got to find a place for it. And Oh, who cares? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, it's a fucking, does it robot. go from a truck to a robot that I don't care about a, all the parts? It's a, it's a fucking species from outer space. Like it knows what all the ins and outs of the car are. Exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. So that it's, it mimics I, the I car to blend in, right? It doesn't mimic the car because it's, literally a car robot right no well, like the popping of the hood of bumblebee in the first movie and she's like oh wow you've got a low-rise double pump carburetor it's how the like, hell would bumblebee know what that is he comes from outer space doesn't care doesn't <laughs> care he would probably have some like plutonium fueled it wouldn't look like an engine at all right that's what I'm it would be this weird thing that bumblebee doesn't have an engine inside she, of him well when she first popped the hood and was like whoa <laughs> That's what I was expecting. Like, I remember watching that movie and I was like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, so there's no way that we can stay super relevant without a press pass. And sorry, guys, I haven't Excuse got those me. yet. Um, however, we do a lot of nerdy shit. We do. And Just on our own. Some of it's very, very exclusive. And uh, you. <laughs> Exclusive. I don't know. I stole this from a guy on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But how, I mean, how many people have actually played it, though? 
I don't know. Probably I mean, not I, many. Really, what I took from him was just the conversions, right? right? So what we did is we are using D&D 5th edition as our backdrop, but we set our game in the world of Legend of Zelda. Uh, and specifically, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, my players are playing the four champions. Uh, Link has fallen. Calamity Ganon has risen. And Zelda is missing. And uh, so we started the game. Them, like in the cutscene, right? Where he says, champions to your divine beasts and all that. So we started the game with them going to their respective villages. And finding out that, that no, Ganon has taken control of these and they are locked out. Yep. Right, so they can't get in. Eventually they will be able to get in so we can keep the continuity, uh, you know, the way it was. But again, if you died 99 years ago, you would still say I died 100 years ago, right? You wouldn't say I died 99 and a half years ago. Correct. So I figured we had at least a year to play with. Uh, and so they come back to the Battle of Hyrule Field after the Battle of Hyrule Field is over. Okay. Uh, I forgot to do that too, so I'm going to do that real quick. But they come back to the Battle of Hyrule Field uh, to the ruins of the burning ruins of Hyrule Castle Town. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, everybody's dead. The Guardians have started to move out into the surrounding villages to just keep decimating Hyrule Field. Um, the barracks and there's various troop places and stuff there that they just destroyed. Um, so they come back to the battle. At the end of the battle, uh, pretty much every royal guard and soldier from Hyrule is dead, with the exception of one who one of my players is playing. This guy who like they come to they come to find him like holding the body of like a dead soldier that he was under him, and he has no honor. The king is dead. He's failed in his mission. He's severely PTSD, right? Well, so I, I did a little kind of cinematic battle there where everybody kind of came into town from different directions and dealt with a couple of things like Mifa dealt with some Bacoblins that were like burning. Uh, uh, Rivali actually dealt with a Mark one guardian, which is one of the little scout okay. types, not the big Mark four one that link has to deal with right. in the game a lot. Um, because honestly they're level three. They're not ready for that. Yeah. They're way too level to deal with it anyway. Yeah. This thing's got like 200 hit points. It's insane. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, they come back, they, 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 they meet this guy. This guy sees some of the Lizophos and the soldier guy, like all he knows at this point, like, cause he's ready to kind of just end his own life. Right. So he sees getting into a battle as his way to do that. That's his out. Yeah. That's his out. But then when he realizes the champions still live, he sees this as a way to get his honor back, um, to help the champions try to defeat Calamity Ganon. Now, continuity-wise, the champions cannot defeat Calamity Ganon. That is Link's job. Right. That is Link and Zelda's job. The, the champions were there to support their effort. Without Link and Zelda, what are they going to do? So they end up uh, going to Hyrule Castle, they end up actually seeing Zelda confront the Calamity and get taken, uh, and they kind of merge. And then Zelda speaks to them directly, telling them to seek Impa. Impa will know what to do. So they end up in Kakariko. They find Impa and Robbie and Pura kind of grappling with everything that's happened, trying to pick the pieces back together, trying to find out what happened to Link, what happened to Princess Zelda. Uh, and while they're there, um, two scouts, two Sheikah scouts come and say, like, Link has fallen. We have taken him to the Shrine of Resurrection, which was one of the cutscenes in the game, too, where Zelda says, his life is in your hands. 
and she sends these Sheikah soldiers to to put him in the shrine of resurrection or these Sheikah ninjas. Uh, and so uh, they again they report that Link has fallen, the hero has fallen. I.e., the game is called Legend of Zelda: The Shattered Sword, right? The Shattered Sword being Link and the Master Sword. Um, so uh, they kind of get a little bit of information and. Pura and Robbie start talking about an ancient legend among the Sheikah called uh, of this place called the Astral Observatory. Now, those of you that have played Breath of the Wild know that the Astral Observatory is where you fight Ganon underneath the throne room. It's right. this big giant domed thing with little star constellations all over the walls. And at the bottom of the walls, you can see the prophecy play out, right? So the prophecy of 10,000 years ago, Link, Zelda, all of this. Well, so what I did is I just added in the guardians, uh, the the you know the, the four characters that would pilot the mm -hmm. divine beast, the champions, not the guardians. I'm sorry, the champions, uh, to basically say like their part is not over, right? Eventually, the game will you know I don't want to spoil too much in case they're listening, but if you've played Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, you know how their story ends. Um, but uh, in this little interim time, we had some stuff to play with. So they, they go, they try to get into the Astral Observatory. Uh, I did it like a traditional Zelda game with dungeons. And, and then so this first trying to get into the Astral Observatory was a puzzle. Uh, it's an ancient Sheikah legend of this place that they would study prophecy. And so just to get into the room was a puzzle with several pieces around the room that had to be activated in order to open the door. Uh, one of those puzzles included using a mirror to reflect a light source at a specific thing. Like, I designed it like a Zelda game. I wanted it to feel that way. Okay. Uh, so they end up getting into the Astral Observatory. And if you've played the Champions Ballad DLC, uh, there is a moment when Link goes to a place underneath the Shrine of Resurrection. He's going to go claim his own divine beast, which turned out to be the Master Cycle Zero, which was pretty cool. A little horse-shaped Motorcycle yeah, yeah. you get to ride around. Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, when, you're, when you're Link in the game and you're down there, you come across at the very end uh, a monk. One of the monks just like in a shrine sitting in like a preserved state. And when you pop his little preserved state, you hear him say, you know, something to the effect of uh, blessings upon you from goddess Hylia for getting this far. You must face one final test. And the camera kind of zooms in on his mummified hand and you see it crunch and move. And then the monk stands up and you have a boss fight against this mummified monk. Monk, nice. monk Moskosia. So I included Monk Moskosia in the beginning of my game. Uh, especially since my friend, who's one of my friends who's playing in the game, he hasn't gotten to that point in the game yet. So to him, the monks are just, they're mummified. They're static. They don't do anything. So to have a monk move, he was like, what? It's moving? <laughs> And I even told him, I was like, oh, you'll deal with Monk Moskosia in your own game. It will be great. But so Monk Moskosia is basically testing the champions uh, to see if they're worthy to participate in this quest and help the hero. Um, so they get into a boss fight that plays out exactly as the boss fight plays out in the video game, right? So he starts with, he's teleporting around, he's charging at them with his sword drawn, and then after they've dealt enough damage to him, then he starts to split himself among like 10 different versions, nine of which are not him and will immediately dissipate upon hitting them. So then it was then, then they had to find out which one was him. And 
again, once they take off another chunk of his health, then he grows really big and tries to stomp them, and he's shooting lasers out of his eyes and stuff. It's a great boss fight. Like, it's in the game. It's a very cool boss fight. So I, I wanted to recreate it. So I did. So then the monk speaks to them. After, after they defeated it, the monk speaks to them directly uh, and tells them of their part in the prophecy. Their part in the prophecy is when Link fell... The soul, because I don't know, out there, if you're unfamiliar with how Link, Zelda, and Ganon work, it works like this. Ganon is immortal. He is demise being reborn in a, in a person time and time again. Yep. And that person is Ganondorf. So Ganondorf's Dracula. He will be reborn time and time again. Zelda carries the blood of the goddess through her bloodline, right? So mother to daughter, mother to daughter, mother to daughter. They all carry the blood of the goddess. So her power comes from her lineage. Mm -hmm. Link is unique among all of them. Link is the soul of that first hero that just kind of sits in the ether until Ganon rises again. And then it inhabits a warrior in that world. That, that, and then that soul links that warrior to the Master Sword. Right? So once that, sword, or once that soldier's job is done and Ganon has been defeated, the soul leaves the hero and stays in the ether waiting for the next hero. Right? So Link is not special. Link carries the soul of the very first Link, right? And so on and so on and so forth. So when he died, because he did die, right? The Shrine of Resurrection brought him back to life and it took a hundred years for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when he died, the soul abandoned him. Would it have been faster if he would have just died and they'd have let him be dead and then the soul would have found a new hero. So in this era, Link is that hero. Okay. Right? Okay. So the soul the soul chooses one bearer in each era. Okay, so it had to be this So it guy. has to be this okay. version of Link, right? Okay. Like so when he died, the soul can't make a distinction between oh we're about to resurrect him, so the soul abandons him and split. And the and the monk tells them this, right? He shows them a vision of Link's death. And what Link and Zelda don't see is the soul of the hero leaving Link's body and splitting into seven pieces and sent to the far corners of Hyrule. Those seven pieces represent seven dungeons in the game that the heroes have to go to, fight a boss, get a piece of the soul. So their goal is to reassemble the soul of the hero and get it back to the body. Because if they don't, when Link wakes up in 100 years, he's not going to be able to reclaim the Master Sword and he's not going to be able to fight Ganon. You okay. need the Master okay. Sword. Yeah. You can't fight him without it. I mean, you can in the game terms, but in the story terms, no, like he needs the Master Sword. Yeah. The sword that seals the darkness, right? So, <laughs> um, they, they get that prophecy. The monk kind of goes back into his little stasis chamber and he's pulled away. And now they have to go out into the world find these seven dungeons and reassemble these seven pieces of the soul. And I would go into a little more detail about where that story is going to go, but one of the players could listen to this podcast and right. then they will have knowledge they should not have yet. But suffice it to say, uh, my my wife, Corey, was not able to be at the first session. She's playing Urbosa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I actually found a good workaround for the fact that she wasn't going to be there because or, or Calamity Ganon has risen at this point. Yes. So the Yiga clan, the splinter group of the Sheikah who follow Calamity Ganon, they have become emboldened, right? So when Orbosa goes back to try to retake her divine beast, she finds that her city, the capital of Gerudo, the Gerudo Desert, is under attack by the Yiga clan. They feel emboldened. They're like, no, we're just going to destroy all our enemies now. Ganon so she has risen. to be there. So she has to stay yeah. there as the chief. 
So that's a good reason why she wasn't there. And it now is leading the players. Well, no, we have to find out what happened to Arbosa. So now we have to go to the Gerudo Desert. And it so happens the Spirit Temple is in the desert. Ooh. So they're on their way to help Arbosa in the start of the next session. We're going to be on our way to help Arbosa fight off the Yiga clan. And then we'll probably do the temple. Now, the thing that's exciting for me about this game in general is uh, my favorite Legend of Zelda game is A Link to the Past. Uh, Ocarina of Time, you know, these are all great games. There's no doubt. A Link to the Past just had a special place for me. It was the first Zelda game I completed. Yeah. It was the first Zelda game I, I got all my heart containers. I got my, my maxed out item inventory. Like I did everything that game had to offer as a little kid. Uh, and I was very proud of that. So that's what this, that's... <laughs> That's what I designed this game to feel you like. You got medals for running really fast, and I <laughs> completed Zelda Link to the Past in its entirety, you bitch. Yep. You're wasting your time with all that metal nonsense. Uh, so I designed this role-playing game to feel very much like that. Yeah. Seven dungeons, uh, just like the seven maidens that you have to save in A Link to the Past. Uh, all the dungeons are part of the different topographical regions, right? So there's one in the desert, there's one in the mountains, there's one in the forest, there's one in the, the lake. All of these different, uh, the water temple too, man. Look, water Ooh. temples in, are Ooh. insane in Zelda games, yeah. and I took that idea and ran with it. Uh, suffice it to say, the person who's playing the Zora is gonna have a lot more to do than they normally would. And I, and I give everybody that, that chance, right? Every character has to have their opportunity to shine. Shine, yeah. right? Like, so while, you playing the Zora character are a great swimmer. That's not really going to come up a lot, but it will in the water temple. You're going to be invaluable in the water temple, especially since one of the things you get as a Zora as a racial bonus is dolphin jump, which means if you jump out of the water, you can actually triple your jump distance. Holy shit. So like they could literally shoot themselves out of the water up to higher levels. They're a rocket stuff. ship at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and everybody has their little ability, right? Uh, in game terms, uh, Mifa's grace three times a day. Mifa can heal herself completely or another. Um, Daruk's protection allows him three times per day to give himself a plus two bonus to AC or to another. Okay. Rivali's gale allows him to triple his speed while he's flying first three times a day. Right. It's for one move. It doesn't last forever. It lasts for one move because it does run out. Right. But you can do it three times a day. So he already has a flight speed of 60. So he can triple that speed while he's in the air. Holy cow. Which means in the air, he can move faster than anyone. Right. With the exception of the fish, if there's water. Yeah. The I fish mean, can also move that fast Moving 180 water. feet real quick. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then, who's the other one? Uh, oh, Orbosa's Fury. Three times a day, Orbosa can call lightning. It's 3d6 damage, I think. Something, something to that okay, effect. Okay, cool. Game cool. terms, right? So everybody has their ability, but then... The way this guy worked this uh, book and, and these conversions is one of my characters is, is playing a paladin. It's not really like a paladin in D&D because he went ahead and made class features and level milestones that aren't at all like the ones in D&D because nice. this is not D&D. This is supposed to be Zelda. Yeah. Right. So like right away he gets divine sense, which is something that a paladin would get in D&D. But in the Zelda terms, it means any skeletal monsters, like the stalls that come out at night, any re-dead or gibdo, undead okay. mummies or corpses. If he's within 60 feet of them, he knows. He knows. He things. knows. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. something undead over there. You know? That's totally badass. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and as he's playing a Hylian, it treats Hylians as the most basic race in the game. It treats sure. Hylians like it does humans. Right. Right, where they get a little bit of boost right at the beginning because they don't get a racial bonus. They're just normal people. Right. right? Like the fish get a bonus. The fish get a bonus. The birds get a bonus. The rock guy gets a bonus. The bird guy gets a bonus, right? Like, your special is all out of the way right out of the game. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're special. You're not special. But so because of that, the game gives you a little bonus to your stats you to, go, to make you feel special. Here's a right? cookie. Uh, I also gave uh, to the Goron. Shannon is playing Daruk. Uh, Daruk can do the roll. Right, how, so like, how does that work for movement speed? Uh, it doubles your movement speed. Okay, as long as you have a straight line to travel in, makes you sense. You can't yep. turn with it because you can't see. Uh, and if you use it in combat, it actually does bludgeoning damage and can knock enemies prone if you're successful. Bitching. <laughs> yeah, I know. She already used it to great effect in, in the is first it, game. Is it with a saving throw? Uh, yes, they do get a reflex saving throw to okay. avoid it. Right. Uh, no, actually, no. If you manage to hit them with it. They get a reflex saving throw or dexterity saving throw to see if they get, to knocked, see if they prone. get knocked prone. That's that's what yeah. I figured. Okay. Yeah, but if you hit them with it, you still do the damage. That's you just so badass. may or may not also knock them down. Right. Very cool. And roll right over them. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the first session was good, man. They they got into a couple of battles. Like I said, there was a more cinematic battle that happened when they got back to the field, uh, and then a more focused battle that happened when they fought Monk Moskosia, but. Uh, it all flowed really nicely, and the Zelda mechanics work really well in D anD. d Zelda is like relatively low magic, yeah, and anything low magic works very well with Five E. Yes. Hey, look, there's a tiny person coming into the Hi, shot. Baby. Come grab her real quick, bud. Here's <laughs> gonna take you jumpy, jumpy, sugar. <laughs> adorable, 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 adorable. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, it works. It just works really well. Like, there's not a lot of magic, right? Um, so, like, again, the one the one character's playing a paladin. I think it's paladin, barbarian for Daruk. Rivali is a ranger. Okay. Uh, Mifa is a fighter. I wanted to make Mifa a cleric, but the cleric just doesn't really work with the warrior side right. of her. And then Orbosa is a rogue. Actually, that was the class that fit the best with Orbosa. Interesting. Okay. And I think it comes. What? What? When I saw that, I was initially like, "No, Orbosa's not a rogue." But then I remembered one cutscene from the Champions Ballad, where her and Zelda, after formally she accepts, "Oh, I'll be the champion of the Divine Beast." They're walking in the desert, talking, and two random citizens walk by. And in the middle of Orbosa's talking, she just kind of stops, and you can see her like focus, kind of looking behind her at these two people, and she just goes, "Halt and face me." And these people are confused. And she goes, unlike you cowards, I prefer to face my enemies head on. And all of that seems like, well, no, she's like a, she's like a super good fighter person. Right. But then when you, she, she destroys them in combat. I mean, like absolutely destroys she them. decimates them, yep. And as they're laying there beaten, she, she utters the words, uh, out of respect for our princess, you may keep your lives. Now go. And I was like, no, like, so what that implies is if Zelda wasn't there, she just would have murked them and been done with it. So the idea of, no, you're my enemy, so you have to die? No, that's a rogue characteristic right there. So I think rogue worked well for her, not only for her skill set, but for the idea that she's not 100% a good person. It's not always pretty for her, yeah. No, like, she lives in a, like, the rest of them kind of have peace in their, in their worlds. She has the Yigas living next door. 
her people are at constant war with these with these split splinter group of the Sheikah. And the reason that splinter group of the Sheikah is dangerous because the Sheikah are the most technologically advanced species in Hyrule. The dude that did that put all this together initially that did yeah. the conversion was as big of a nerd as you are. <laughs> Probably. Look, when I say he did everything, I don't have to do anything. That's what Any I'm, stat block I need for an enemy. That's what I'm saying. He did there. He did everything. Otto, come on. Even the ones that are in Breath of the Wild that are more new, like Guardians and 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 things like that. No, he's got stat blocks for them. Yeah, he did. He did all the work. He did all of it. And it's like, dude. And well, what's funny is there was this point where you're like, Mm, I don't think a rogue is right. And then you're like, a rogue is perfect. Yeah. All it's it took was so me funny. going, wait a minute, let me think about some of the scenes that have her in them. No, yeah, rogue is rogue is her class, right? Like So freaking funny, man. Uh, so not only does she have the Orbosis Fury and that kind of stuff, but she also has sneak attack damage. So she's catching opponents right. uh, off guard. Or if she's flanking an opponent, she has sneak attack damage. And that sneak attack damage can also apply to the lightning, right? Uh, if you can manage Badass. to catch someone unaware with the lightning, no, you can apply sneak attack damage to that too. If they weren't ready for it, if they didn't know it was coming, right? If you open a battle with that, well, you've 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 sneak That's attacked with lightning. Sick. So not only do you get the three d six or two d six or whatever it was for the lightning, but you also get to add the d sixes for your. So sneak she's kind of like an arcane trickster rogue. Yes. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's so much fun. Uh, and then my Hylian is like I said, a paladin. Uh, Makes sense. Honorable. The guy who, you know, and it's funny how dice work out sometimes because the whole time it was like, roll, oh, you failed at that? Yeah, that makes sense, right? Like, I love when that shit lines up where it's like, no, your failure is actually, we're going we're gonna to work your failure into the story. So, like, they were searching for the key to unlock this door, right? It was a yeah. puzzle. They had to look around and investigate and stuff. And... <laughs> Tim, who's playing the paladin, who's yes. just like concerned with like, no, I'm just going to kill everything. Everything's got to fucking die because I'm angry. I lost my honor. They took the king. I failed, right? So he's just this murder hobo. Uh, <laughs> he, when it came to investigating, he was like, okay, I'm going to go over to this hole and I'm going to do my investigation there. And he rolled terrible. And I was just like, yeah, there's nothing to kill here, bro. So it's really just not appealing to you at all to solve a puzzle. And Daruk was having the same problem. Was like, I was like, yeah, you walk over, roll. And she rolled. She was like, oh, it's like a two. And I was just like, yeah, you don't understand puzzles. You're just a big rock guy. Not your thing. Your thought is, can I eat the rocks that are that are in here? That's You're just distracted by that. Look we're, at all these delicious rocks I could eat. We're supposed to eat these rocks, and that will surely get us out. <laughs> that's fantastic. When they found out, and, and this was something that's really cool, too. Uh, Zora get bioluminescence, right? They can actually make themselves glow yeah. in the dark. And that's so that when they're in the deep water, they can they can see what's can going see, on. Yeah. Well, there's stone in the game that is bioluminescent. They're called luminous stones. And this ancient Sheikah thing was built of luminous stones. That's not glowing anymore. It's been 10,000 years since this thing was built. But Mifa goes over and says, okay, I'm going to look a little closer at the stonework, right? And I said, okay, how close do you get? She was like, oh, I want to reach out and touch it. I was like, when you reach out and touch it, it reacts to your bioluminescence. Like, you glow, and so does it. So then Mifa goes, it's made of luminous stone. Oh, that's awesome. Right? So, like, there's little things like that that I throw in there to try to keep the players on their toes, keep them guessing what is the significance of the fact that it's made of luminous stone. Well, it reacts to bioluminescence. So, theoretically, it would react to light. 
Well, that's how they figured out like, oh, we got to get this mirror and we got to gotta get this light to come down and shine over there. Fucking you know? laser beams. And I've, I haven't stopped. That's just the beginning, man. I got puzzles in every dungeon to solve in order to either open the door to the next, find a chest with the key. I'm doing it straight up video game style where- That's amazing. I have these map tiles that I got that are interconnectable. Yeah. So when you walk into the dungeon, we're going to put one tile down, the entranceway. And then when you move out of this, I'll go put the next tile down that goes over here. And when you find a little chest that has a map in it, well, now we're going to put the rest of the tiles on the board. Now you know where everything is, yeah. So you can see where everything is, right? And when you find the compass, I'll mark where the treasure chests are on the board because that's oh, what that's the compass lovely. does in the game. Uh, in order to get into the boss room, you have to find the boss key. You can't just walk in there. You got to get the key that opens the big boss lock oh, and yeah. go in there. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to do it. And again, I would go into a little more detail about the story, you but don't I don't want to spoil things for some of my players. Well, no, it's it's funny that you're saying that because with, uh, or not that you don't want to spoil, but that you're doing <laughs> this thing where you're revealing tiles as you go, because I've actually, I've, I've done something akin to that twice uh, with the players that are in my regular group. One time they were exploring a uh, basically underground labyrinth and sure. none of them didn't know anything about it. So, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not going to be like, all right, well, if we take a sharp left here, uh, you know, 20 feet down, we'll be able to get right. into a tunnel with the stairway. Ugh, no. So me. I was like, all right, here we go. You're in you're in this section. I was covering everything with paper because I had it drawn out on poster yeah, board yeah, yeah, and they yeah. were like. Reveal the paper, or yeah, pull the paper off when you reveal it. They're like, that part. what the fuck? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had a similar thing happen recently where they're going through a cave when they liberated all these goblins. Right. And since they were taken down there when they were, you know, bound and basically incapacitated, they had no idea how to, where to go in this cave. So I was like, all right, well, this is how far you can see based off of your, you know, vision. So. Right. Now what? Yeah. And they're like, man, fuck you. And I'm like, yep, fuck me. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to borrow those little tiles that interconnect, they're great, man. I, so actually, there's like 30 little tiles. I, I have some. Okay, I have yeah. some, yeah. They're fucking great. No, they're incredible. Uh, it's. I'm so tempted right now to uh, spend money on a 3D printer because I want to print dungeon tiles so bad. Yeah, Jackie is supposed to be printing me figures. Yeah, that that's incredible. Represent each of the four champions. Yeah. So that each character or each player will have a, a figure that represents like that actually like this. No, this is Rivali. This yeah. is Daruk. This is Mifa. And this is Arbosa. Totally badass. Yeah, yeah. They're modeled after Jackie found some templates for them on the internet. They're modeled after the amiibo. Uh, no shit. Yeah, so he actually found a way to shrink them because the amiibo are pretty big. Yeah. A little too big for D&D, so he found a way to shrink them down to D&D size. Oh, my God, to like 28 millimeter? Using the parameters of his 3D printer, he found a way to shrink them That's down. That's sick. They, they found a way to shrink them down. So they're going to they're gonna print them out. I don't have them yet, but uh, they're oh, going to print them that's out. That's going to be so fucking cool, dude. Well, yeah, and it's funny because like Daruk, Daruk is large Yeah, as far as size go. Right. right? It's a two-by-two two base. Uh, the rest of them are normal. But like the moment I put that base, like I had, I, I just had some bases right for this first right. session, and I was like, "Here's yours, Shannon." Shannon was like, "I'm large, amazing." But then the first thing that happened was she's trying to squeeze through these alleyways in what's left of Castletown, and she's like, "Can I even move through this?" And I was like, "I mean, yeah, you're probably gonna have to like, you know, squeeze on by." Your but movement sure, speed yeah, is cut in your half. movement speed is gonna yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Game terms that just means you can't move as fast, right? <laughs> That's fucking awesome. But it was good. I also love playing with Lizaphos. Lizaphos, if you've played the game, you know they're good at camouflaging themselves, right? If you're running around in the desert, you might not even see one until it like bursts out of the sand. But like they're sitting there. Like, so if you're really paying attention, you can see the outline of the thing, but it's exactly the same color as the sand around it. 
They do that in the green. They do that in the mountains. They're everywhere. So the the first thing that Shannon has to do is roll perception to see if she notices anything. And I was like, she rolled terrible. And I was like, yeah, you just noticed some weird rocks. They just like weird rocks. She's like, oh, I'm gonna go up and poke them. <laughs> so as soon as you poke it, it turns into a lizard guy who like jumps and pounces down on Pissed you. <laughs> like, you. Yeah, pissed. Because she she can't see it. She didn't roll good enough. So it's just a pile of rocks to you. I mean, the the, the random aspect of it would make that so much like that's what makes role playing games fun for the most part is that yeah. that random thing. But yeah, it, for your scenario in particular and how you're trying to really work it into the story. God, that'd make it so good. It is really fun, man. And, and one of the things I, again, I'm really looking forward to is finally getting into some of the dungeons because not only did this guy who, who made this template do every basic enemy, but he's got a whole chapter. That's just all the bosses in every Zelda game. So I got to kind of pick and choose which bosses I wanted to use. And I won't spoil some of them here, but suffice it to say he had, Boss things for Gleox and Gomas and I mean every D- Dodongos, every kind of boss you can encounter. How much time Zelda do you game. think he spent on that shit? I don't know, but he can't sell it because Nintendo is very serious about their IPs. Right. Like they will sue the shit out of you if you try to make money off something that's their intellectual property. What, what's so funny is they did a, a role playing thing with Critical Role recently too. Yeah. So, well, it, but if they're licensing it, that's one thing. No, no, no. I right? know. Yeah. It's just this it, guy just made a thing and you can just download it for free on the internet. I mean, he just, yeah. You can't sell it. Right. right? Like, <laughs> the sheets also. So I'm doing leveling. I don't like leveling with experience. I never really have. I like milestone leveling. Okay. Where you get to a certain point and you level up. Yeah. Right? Because you've become something, you overcome, overcame some great challenge or whatever right. it is. So in this game, because it's based on a, a video game. Every time a link in the video game would get a heart piece, that's when they level. You level up. How so how high are you going to let them level? Uh so there are 7 dungeons, so that's 7 levels right there. 7 heart pieces. Each level each dungeon would give Link a heart piece mm-hmm. or a heart container. Okay, so level 10. So that's yeah, that takes them up to level 10. Then the sheet has the little four heart container thing on it so that you can fill it in as you find them. So what I have done is I've created side adventures within the game. Oh, so fun, man. That if you do a side adventure, you'll get a piece. And once you get all four, you level up. So I'd imagine what I'd imagine in the, the mid-teens is probably where okay, they'll so end yeah, up, depending yeah, yeah. on how much side content they choose to engage in. Yeah, probably 12 to 15. Right. Yeah. Oh, so uh, fucking cool. Because also, I told them when we were playing, I said, if you guys want to petition me for a heart piece, like, hey, we've got some downtime. Let's go clear out that enemy camp. And if we clear out that enemy camp, can we get a heart piece? Yeah, sure. Right? So you don't have to engage in the side content that I've created. Uh, You can make your own. You can make your own. If you want to say, hey, we're going to go do this thing that's outside our normal parameters. Can we get a heart piece for that? Sometimes the answer will be, yeah, sure. Sometimes it'll be, no. (laughs) You didn't do my side quest, bitch. Right, not for that. No, no, no. That's awesome. But like clearing out an enemy camp? Sure, why not? Yeah. I freaking love it. I'm excited. Also, in the dungeons, I've been able to use, because the Breath of the Wild world is very specific about which monsters exist in it, right? So you have your your, your, your Coblins, your Lizaphos, your Moblins, Lynels, Taluses, Hinox, Guardians. That's it. Yeah. Oh, the bats. The little keys bats. Sure. Right? That's it. That's all that exists. Those are all the monsters that exist in that world. But because we're going into dungeons... Uh, it's allowed me to bring in things like like likes, uh, gibdos, uh, uh, re-deads, um, 
God, the reduds. Uh, Staphos Knights. There's a there's a Staphos Knight fight in That's one of my fucking awesome. And the Staphos Knights are awesome, man. That was always one of the things I loved fighting in like Ocarina of Time, right? Because they actually use their shields. Yeah, like it feels like a real sword fight. At least it did back then. I mean, now it looks terrible. Right now, comparison. now it's rudimentary, but yeah. But if at the time, man, I felt like I was actually having a sword fight with an enemy that was actually trying to defend itself, right? It right. wasn't just going to stand there and let me swipe at it over and over again. <laughs> And this again, this guy's got stat blocks for everything. So every what, monster you could think of. What what is the uh, what is the group thought so far? Uh, we only had the one session. It seemed like they had a good time. Yeah. Um, I get insecure about games that I write and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably annoying for me to say like, I hope everybody had a good time because I'll say it every fucking time. I do too. Right. I hope everybody had a good time because hearing people say, "Oh, that was fun." That gives me a little, well, gives that, you a little that, endorphin boost, that, right? Everybody's well, that's, fun, that's right? why you do it. Yeah. That's the whole reason you I want you, you to have this. fun. Yeah. I'm having fun, but I want you to have fun. My fun is assured. I'm the one who wrote the story. Right. My fun is assured. I'm having a good yeah. time running Seeing it. Seeing you interact with the shit that I did is exciting. Yeah. But I want you to be enjoying it too. I don't want, I don't want you to sit there like feeling like you don't have anything to do right. or feeling like there's not a good balance between combat and role playing, right? So that, that first session... We had those two kind of combat encounters, one that happened in the the castle town and one that happened in the Astral Observatory. Mm-hmm. Um, but in between that, it was a lot of, we're talking to Impa, we're talking to Pura, we're talking to Robbie. Were they, um, were they engaging with your NPCs like, well, they were. I, I, I know they were because I know who the people are. Uh, yeah, most but. everybody was. I think Tim's, Tim's taking a little while to kind of work his way in. Also, he's playing a character that, probably wouldn't interact as sure. much, right? He's a little closed off. He's got a little PTSD going on from what happened at the castle. When yeah, he might Ganon be just Rose. a little spacey right now, yeah. Yeah, so I think, but I think, and I've played games with Tim before, right? It, it always takes Tim a while to get comfortable anyway, but I think he, eventually he'll be engaging. He played in that Star Wars game I ran at the store. Yeah. Um, and that was great. Like, that was a fun game. We did, like, the scum and villainy game, right? Oh, yeah. bounty hunters and smugglers and shit. It was a good game. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise, I think it was good. I'm also the kind of person there, uh, you know, I think I did it during the game uh, where like things were being explained to the party and they were kind of interacting with one of the NPCs and uh, Tim was just kind of sitting there quietly. So I like addressed him as the NPC, like, Toma, you're very quiet over there. What are your thoughts? Right. So I like try to, you, you have to, I don't yeah. want to force people, right? Because if they're not comfortable, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But I at least want to... You want to give them the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity, yeah. right? Because when you have players that are experienced, like like Zach and Lemur, who have done this time and time and time again right. since they were children, and me personally, right? Or you sitting in a game. Right. I don't want to take all the spotlight, right? Like, And I feel like I do sometimes. I feel like I'm talking more than anyone else or whatever that might be. Right. Right. So when I run a game, I want to make sure that I want to try to at least mitigate that a little bit and give everybody a chance to chime in if that's what they want to do. If you don't want to chime in, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do and you feel like you can't, I don't want you to ever feel like you can't. So I, you know, put a specific moment there where I said, because everybody's talking except this guy. Well, so Robbie, who knows Toma personally, Robbie worked in Hyrule Castle. Yeah. He knows most of the Royal Guard personally. He knows his name. When he saw him, he's like, Toma, oh, I'm so glad you survived, right? I'm so sorry. Uh, Robbie, in the way he would work within this world, if I'm actually playing Robbie, no, he would want to know what Toma's opinion is. Right. Because he knows Toma personally, right? So it kind of worked out in that way. Good. You know, oh, you're, you're kind of quiet over there. What do you think? Um, 
and I don't want, like I said, I don't want anybody to feel like they don't have something to do. I want everybody to get a chance to shine. The champions are a little more relevant than Toma will ever be, but that right. doesn't mean Toma doesn't have a purpose in the story. I have a purpose for Toma. I can't talk about what it is because it's kind of a big moment and I want Tim to be surprised, but everybody has a moment to shine because I feel like everybody should, right? Everybody should have a session where they go, oh man, I fucking killed it that session, right? Oh, Without yeah. me, everybody would have been dead. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? I want, I want you to feel that as a player and I want everybody to feel that at least once or twice within the game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, especially if it's one of the players that's having a little more trouble engaging. Yeah. Like uh my youngest, he he has a little bit of trouble with or not youngest, but middle kid. Got him old. Um he <laughs> is a little bit of trouble engaging with uh the story sometimes. He's yeah. just like, I'm supposed to roll dice and hit shit. Right. So um recently they were in a market and he got to encounter a vendor that singled him out and he was like, Hey, I want your belt. Uh, I see that it is valuable. I want that. I have something that you want. And he was like, what could you possibly have Ooh, that I want? Me. Right. Well, the guy gave him a fucking Phoenix hatchling. Jeez. Wild shit. That's, yeah. uh, that's OP as hell. OP as hell. He traded I, a belt for a Phoenix it, hatchling? It, it, that it was, was a more, stupid shopkeep. More more than a belt. Um, that was a stupid shopkeep. It was. <laughs> but it was also, it was also, I was like, man, I just want him to be excited to play. Sure. So he's going to have something OP. He didn't use it in combat the at Phoenix all. The Phoenix is immortal. I know. It will just die and be reborn from the flame. I explained that. <laughs> I'm like, I, you have I, an immortal animal companion now. I'm like, you know, everybody wants to find their companion when they're a ranger because he's a ranger, beastmaster, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, so you know, your companion kind of just fell into your. You lap have an immortal it's, animal companion. It's totally badass. Yeah. And has fire. <laughs> like, they will die in flame and be reborn from the ashes. So <laughs> when. When I said, I have this Phoenix hatchling, he was like, <gasps> and like the cool. look on his face, he about lost his shit. And I yeah. was like, oh, you want this, huh? Yeah. So then, you know, it got to be Find fun. Find good ways to get people engaged. Yeah, and it, it yeah. sucked him back into the story again. And it was sure. cool as shit, man. So yeah, I can I can totally appreciate being like, hey, Tomo, what's you thinking? Yeah, you're awful quiet over there. What's going on? Are you plotting on me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I also was excited because uh, Raba, uh, Robbie, Robbie, Pura, and Impa are NPCs in the Zelda video game that are very distinct and have kind of their own personalities. Yeah. So me, I'm a performer, and I tried to get that across, right? So like Robbie at one point hears someone say something that sparks a thought, and I like explain to the players like, dude, Robbie just stops engaging, and he just like walks away, and he like pulls out a whiteboard, and he starts writing on it. Right, he's doing calculations and stuff. And I was like, he's not ignoring you. He just, you said something that made him go, <gasps> flip the switch. I got to figure this out now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Pura is very erratic. Uh, she can she gets pulled in different directions. She's very, hi, I'm Pura, right? Like she's yeah. very upbeat. Uh, and Impa is very stoic, is very wise, right? So I kind of want, there are three Sheikah, and two of them are sisters. Impa and Pura are actually sisters in the game. Um, so I tried to bring kind of their own distinct personalities. And that was fun for me to try right. to recreate what I had seen in the game for so long 
in my game. Fuck yeah. Uh, I like that. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. And I'm, I do different voices and I'm, I get up. Rarely am I sitting down while I'm running a game unless we're in the middle of combat and I have to be focused on right. papers and stat blocks and stuff I, like dude, that. I'm the same way. I'll, I'll pace yeah. and be talking in a voice to the party because it's. Yeah, I mean, there was one point where the, one, of the, one of the things that helped them solve the puzzle was two of these things in the room, these, these symbols that they had to activate were facing each other. They were the only two. There were six or seven symbols in the room. These were the only two that faced each other. The rest of them all faced in random different directions. Um, so I'm playing uh, Impa, who uh, at one point is looking at these two things. They're trying to figure out what the hell to do. And I was like, so she like walks over. And I like got up and walked over to uh, Lemur, I think, who was playing, who's playing Rivaldi. And I leaned down right next to him. Right. And just and just went, they face each other. They're the only two that face each other. Right. So like Impa getting up and walking over there to look and see from his perspective. I just got up and walked over there to see from his perspective. Right. Even though I'm not looking at anything real, it kind of helps me get into the character a little more when I'm physically embodying it as well as like doing a voice and, and, and and a personality. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. It's fun. I you know, what's funny. Uh. Lemur was at my work this week and I was swamped. So I didn't get a chance to talk to him because I wanted to ask him about the game. Yeah. Uh, I was so bummed. I was like, fuck. Lemur's playing Rivali and Rivali in the game. I mean, you've played breath of the wild. Rivali's a dick. He's an arrogant dick. He's, he's got a heart of gold, right? He really wants to be the greatest warrior in his, in his village because he wants to protect his people. Mm -hmm. But what that turns into in his like defense mechanism is, uh, he's kind of a dick to Link. He kind of thinks, well, why is why is this hero the one that's supposed to fight Ganon? Obviously, I'm the one that should yeah. be fighting Ganon. I'm a hero too, right? I am the greatest warrior in Hyrule. Uh, so when whenever the concept of Link would come up, like Link's Link's dead, the soul of the heroes, he's like, the uh. soul of the heroes, been shattered. When he found out the whole thing was to reunite the pieces of Link's soul in game, he just goes. Till I steal the soul and become the hero myself. Because again, right? Like that's Rivali. Rivali doesn't think Link is important at all. Has Has Lemur played it? What do you mean? Uh, Breath of the Wild. No. I didn't think so. So what I did before the game is the Champions Ballad DLC introduced five new cutscenes. Yeah. Four of which are about Princess Zelda going to the respective champions and asking them to pilot the Divine Beasts. Did you play those cutscenes? So I guys? showed them those those four cutscenes before we started the game to kind of give them a window into who these characters are. Yeah. Right, because they're embodying characters that already exist. That's awesome. They're not giving them their own personality. These characters have a personality. How cool already. is it to have a cutscene that fucking use as a reference to? It was. It was It was pretty That's fun. I had everybody come in the living room. I, I just stood back and I was just like, okay, watch these things. Guys, I played all four of them. Pay close attention. Well, and because Tim is a random NPC character that I've made up that I was going to play, yeah. I, I offered it to Tim when when we were talking about it because I was like, "Nah, Tim, I haven't seen Tim in a while. He's recovering from surgery. He's, yeah. he's had some hard times recently. This will be good for him. It'll be good to get out, get out of his, you know, because he's had to stay with his parents and stuff because he's, you know, he fell on hard times. He had surgery, right? Uh, and so I just thought it'd be cool, get out, come over, hang out with us, whatever, and. Because his character is one I made up, there's in one of the cutscenes, the fifth cutscene, which we didn't watch all of because Zach is actually actively playing the game and I didn't want to spoil too much. Yeah. Um, getting the window into the personality of the champions really doesn't spoil anything. They're pretty prevalent throughout the entire story. Right. 
Um, but there is that fifth cutscene where the champions are gathered in the throne room at Hyrule Castle, and the king is, welcome, warriors. Thank you for blah, blah, blah. And there's two royal guard guys standing next to the king, and they're with him in other cutscenes, too. It's, these are, like, his personal royal guard guys. And one of them, uh, this guy with this excellent, like, uh, highway patrolman handlebar mustache Hell yeah. is Toma. So like I just played the first part of that cutscene and I was like, that's you, Tim, right there. <laughs> that guy with the mustache, that's you. But hey. he has no personality. You get to give him his personality. <laughs> oh, uh, no, 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 not the king. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this guy with the mustache behind him. Too freaking awesome. And because I know Breath of the Wild forward and backward and because I've been inundated in Tears of the Kingdom for weeks and weeks now yeah. since it came out, I've not stopped playing it. Almost a month, yeah. Yeah. Um, or right around, it might be a month now. Like when I was doing weaponry, right? Tim's wearing a Royal Guard uniform. He's got a Royal Guard sword. He's got a Royal Guard shield. He's got a Royal Guard bow because those are the weapons the Royal Guards carry. He's got a, you know, like. I know the stats. Uh, Daruk. Daruk has the boulder breaker. Mifa has the light scale trident. Rivali has the great eagle bow. Orbosa has uh, the scimitar of the seven. These are their weapons, right? Like, and I told them, I was like, look, guys you don't have to continue using these, right? This is just the weapon you would always have on you. Right. If along the way you find something that works better, if along the way you run into a blacksmith and you want to rework the weapon into something more akin to what you want it to be, you can absolutely do that. I don't care. I really don't care beyond this moment. But at the start, no, like, the boulder breaker is your weapon. The scimitar of the seven is your weapon. The light scale trident is your weapon. The great eagle bow is your weapon. But fighters, you should... Absolutely dual wield because it's overpowered as fuck. <laughs> we actually found we we had to we do it we had to create a workaround uh, because the great eagle bow in game can fire three arrows at once. Oh Jesus! Yeah, so we had to create a workaround because fifth edition D and D doesn't have multi shot bows, or at least it doesn't handle it in the same way that like third and third edition did. Right. So <laughs> what we, we came up with a bunch of different ideas. What we ended up landing on was. If he's using the bow to shoot three arrows, we increase damage dice. So not the amount of dice, we increase what the die type is. Okay. Right? So a typical arrow would do a D6. We're using two arrows, now it's a D8. Using three arrows, now D10. it's a D10. Oh, okay. Right, so we just ended up increasing the die type for each arrow. So you're shooting three arrows, so you have the potential to deal more damage, maybe you don't. Maybe two of them miss and you only deal two damage. Did the scaling feel good with that? It did. It worked. I think it worked well. Okay. Lemur did say, though, like, I'm going to have to start, like, after every battle, though, asking you if I find any intact arrows on the battlefield. He was like, because I burned through 40 arrows very quickly. <laughs> you better get the never-ending quiver. Ain't no never-ending quivers in Hyrule, bro. <laughs> you get 60 arrows in your quiver, and that's it. <laughs> and after that, you got to buy more. Uh, and they have rupees and stuff, right? They're not... They're not wealthy but they're not poor either these are these mifa's a princess for god six like she's royalty she is in fact wealthy <laughs> yeah she's wealthy yeah and orbosa is the chieftain uh daruk is the chieftain um rivali is like the captain of the rito guard so like these are well-respected people they're not poor but they're not rich either right none of them are hurting no uh, now, there are going to be things that, because of the way Zelda's economy works, the higher tier things, while you can, in the game, find them in the world, we're not doing it like that. you got to buy them, right? So the higher tier things are going to cost more rupees. I right? love it. So, like, if you wanted to buy the Great Eagle Bow, 
well, that's like 5,000 rupees, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Good you have that. one, but if you had to make another one, you need like 5,000 rupees, you need some wood and you need a diamond. <laughs> that's how you remake one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, nerds. Yeah, we're nerds. That's incredible. You guys out there already knew yeah, that, you, though. You if you've been are... listening to us at all, you know how for much any... of nerds we are. Yeah, for any period of time. Yeah, yeah we're nerds. I mean, so it's lovely. It's and fun. Normally now, because we started this with the last episode, doing a segment called Tales from the Table where we would tell you a little bit from a game. You just got a whole episode on it. Yeah. So there's yeah. no Tale from the Table this week. <laughs> well, and, and we're doing it once a month. There's no reason why we can't keep the, no, 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 we will keep the people out there updated on how we'll, it's going. Next time, next time we'll whittle it down because you were explaining a lot here, like how the mechanics and stuff worked. Right, not going to have to do that next time. So right. next we'll time, we'll just be able to talk about the you'll, story. You'll get your ten minute segment. Boom, yeah, psh, done. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do Legend of Zelda: Tales from the Table. Hell yeah! All right, guys, you please, please, please be lovely. No, go to entertainthegeeky.com. You can follow us on all of our social media and all that fun stuff. God damn it. It's, it's right in front of you. What do you mean, God damn it? It's literally right in front I know, of you. I should just go like this. Right, just just do this thing. I don't do that, ever. I don't, I, I, I don't think of it in reverse, because I'm looking at... I, I, I'm like, all right, this is a mirror. It's not a mirror. There. No. That's where you go, right there. Um, we're, we're opposite, right? Go, entertain, opposite. The, <laughs> go to entertainthegeeky.com. <laughs> follow us on all of our social media. If you have not already... Please subscribe, like, comment. We want to talk to you and bring you more content uh, indefinitely forever. We love you so much. Yeah. Uh, do you got any, any words of wisdom or anything you want to part these guys with? I got nothing. Okay. No, no wisdom today. Okay. As Maybe always, next time. stay geeky. <laughs> oh, it's fun though, man. I'm having a good time. It sounds freaking amazing. I'm having a good time. I would, uh, again, I would talk more about the story. I've told you a little bit about the story yeah. and how it's all going to play out, but I don't want them to know. You've right? got the you've got the perfect group for it, too, though. I think so. You have, yeah, you have I a think really so. great group. I'll, I I'll, Corey will get into it next session. I think we're going to play again in uh, second to last Sunday of July. Amazing. The next time we can get together and do it. But I'm also still playing in the Star Trek game another Sunday a month. Yeah. Which I think we're doing for this one. I think we're doing the second Sunday. First Sunday? I don't know. There's five Sundays next month. I played, uh, when we were doing the shop game, Zach played a warlock, and he was broken. Borderline broken. schizophrenic. Okay. So he's like, ho, 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 ho. And he's like freaking out all the time and talking to somebody that's not there and all kinds of weird stuff. And <laughs> Zach did it very well. And sure. he was in this like constant state of paranoia, basically. Sure. So people would ask him something about well, why do you need to know that? I don't understand what you need to know. Why do you think? You, why? Why should I have to tell you that? None and your it, business. And it was so good. Yeah. Uh, just from a role playing standpoint. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, Zach's playing Mifa. Yeah. Like when I, when uh, Corey wanted to play Arbosa, when I was explaining the characters to Shannon. I got to Daruk and I said, so he's like a rock guy. And she's like, Done. They, they eat rocks. They're kind of barbaric. She was like, I want to play that guy. I was like, yeah, it's yours. So between Lemur and Zach, it was like, well, there's Rivali, who's like a warrior bird guy, who's kind of an arrogant douche. And then there's Mifa, who's like a princess. And <laughs> Zach, who I talked to first, was like, oh, I want to play Mifa. He's like, I'm a princess. Yeah, like, I want to play Mifa. And I was like, so that leaves the arrogant douche for Lemur. <laughs> And I believe Lemur's response to that was, 
Yeah. So just like every day of my life, <laughs> which is just not true. He's the sweetest dude. Yeah, he he's is, not an arrogant dude. He's one of the most genuine sweet he's guys. He's a planet. very sweet man. And I love him so much. Um, but yeah, he's, he's sarcastic as hell. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. But he's been doing Rivali great, man. Just as like, I told him, he's like, he just hates Link. He just thinks Link's a piece of shit and should not be the hero. The hero should be him. The sword that seals the darkness should be on his back. It's my fucking sword that seals the darkness. I mean, when you meet him, when you, when you go to uh, Rito Village for the first time, you have that flashback with Rivali where Link's like standing there. Rivali just comes up and starts talking shit. Like basically like, you know, uh, for some reason, I've, I've been tapped to merely assist you. It's asinine. He actually says the words asinine. And he goes, perhaps we should just have a challenge. Me and you. Where should we do it? Oh, I know. How about up there? And he points to his divine beast, right? And then he goes, oh, pardon me. I forgot. You have no way to get up to that divine beast on your own. And he just like flies off. And as he's flying away, he just goes, good luck sealing the darkness. Bitch. Yeah, he's just an <laughs> asshole. He's such an asshole. <laughs> oh. That was lovely bonus content. 